There is a time when the mind wanders to places unknown, exploring the outer reaches of the imagination. When the seconds count down to zero, and the clock stops ticking, this is that time. This is that place. This is zero hour. One is cluttered as this one. Paul, you gotta get your cat out of here. Paul, hmm? what is it, Harold? You really should take Zorro home. Yeah, I can't leave him at home. There's no one there to feed him. Jeez, Paul, you look awful. My looks are irrelevant. I must solve this problem. I wanted to remind you that the meeting starts in ten minutes. Meeting? What meeting? Our meeting with Director Lee. I knew you wouldn't remember. Now I'm rather involved with something. Paul, listen. As your friend, I'm asking you to come to this meeting and take it seriously. You know Lee's been keeping a close eye on you since you've been. Well, he's really concerned about your behavior, and if you can't appease him, you may end up on the outside looking in. Yes, yes. I'll be there shortly. And Paul, after the meeting. Please go home.、Uh, get some rest. You've been in this office for four straight days. Even the night janitors are concerned about you. I'm fine, Harold. I just need more time. More time for what, Harold? To close the breach. Oh, please don't bring any of that up in the meeting.、Uh, Lee hopes that your obsession about this breach is just a fit of exhaustion that'll pass. But it's the truth. And if I don't figure out how to close the breach, Paul, I'm asking you as a friend. Please keep it to yourself. I'll see you at the meeting. Oh, Zorro, what am I going to do? Reality finds a new way to change itself every day. Yesterday, robins vanished. Today, bananas are blue. And what about my dear wife? I know I had a wife, and now she just doesn't exist. What happened to her? Changes seem to be getting bigger, and if the world changes so much that the collider no longer exists, there might be no way to get reality back to normal. That collider caused this problem, and it's also the only way to set things right. I'm certain of it, Zoro. Even if my colleagues are too blind to see the truth.
Lee. I reminded him that we had the meeting on my way here. I'm sure he'll be along shortly. You know Paul. Yes. Yeah, he's always been a bit uh, eccentric. Eccentric? The last few reports indicate that he's been much more than eccentric. Well, he's been under some stress lately. As you know, it's a very intense project. I'm sure he'll be... Oh, Paul, I'm so glad you came. Ah, Dr. Newton. Please, you could join us. Dr. Newton, this is Cindy Dyson. Nice to meet you, Dr. Newton. I'm from the National... So what's the purpose of this meeting? Always so many meetings while there's so much important work to be done. Yes, well, Dr. Newton, Paul, you know how we feel about you. You're the preeminent physicist in your field, and, well, we're more than fortunate to have you on the Ultra Hadron Collider Project. Beyond that, we've all formed bonds over the last five years. I think I can say without reservation that we're more than colleagues. We're friends. Yeah, and I know what's coming next, though. Your irrational behavior over the last month cannot be ignored. Paul, I wasn't going to put it that way. No, no, no. You're too much of a diplomat. But listen to me carefully, because every word I'm about to say is true. There was an accident with the collider one month ago. The particle stream ran out of control and formed an infinitesimally small black hole. That black hole opened a breach between our universe and presumably a parallel one. The breach was tiny, but it allowed leakage into our universe, and that leakage is causing changes every day. The changes started out at the quantum level, but now they're getting bigger and bigger. Paul, I find it disturb- concerning that as a scientist you continue to insist on these conjectures despite the lack of any empirical evidence. Evidence? Am I the only real scientist here? You still maintain that you've noticed nothing? Everything seems the same to you as it always was? Are you still claiming that you've seen changes that you can't account for? I know you're under some stress, so it would be understandable... No, look, Charles. I was next to the collider when the breach happened. Maybe I was affected somehow. Maybe that's why I see the changes. But I'm telling you, I'm not crazy. Paul, please. No one is saying you're crazy. But something has affected you. I'm afraid that, in spite of your prestige and talent, we will have to do something if you don't recuperate from whatever malady is afflicting you. Malady? There was no accident. The collider operating records prove that. Nor are there any changes or whatever you want to call them to our world. I mean, really, Paul, wouldn't someone else notice all this talk about yellow bananas and robber birds? Robins. Don't you think there's a simpler explanation? Let me put it to you another way. Tell me, learning colleagues, what do you see low in the sky on such a clear evening? The moons rising, of course. The moons, exactly. And how many moons? Two. What else would I see? And you, Miss, what was it again? Ms. Dyson. Ms. Dyson, what do you see? The twins, the Celine sisters. The same two moons we've seen in the sky since time immemorial. What's your point? And you, my dear friend, what do you see? Hmm? I see two moons. Everybody sees two moons, Paul. Do you mean to tell me that none of you, some of the finest minds in the world, none of you remember a time when the Earth had only one moon? Because up until a week ago, from time immemorial, as you say, we had only one moon. Do you hear me? One moon. It's always been one moon. Reality 
has changed, and it's still changing. Something bizarre is happening, and I'm the only one who knows it. Paul, this fantasy of yours has been a diverting thought experiment at best, and a danger to the project at worst. If you don't shape up, there are going to be consequences. What's happened to you, Paul? This isn't normal. Normal? Don't talk to me about normal. Paul, please, just sit down. At any rate, your mental stability isn't the sole reason for this meeting. Ms. Dyson here is from the NSF. She's here to talk to us about our funding for the Collider Project. The funding? Thank you, Director Lee. Dr. Newton, when this organization first applied for a grant for the Ultra Hadron Collider, it was under the belief that the project was being led by the most accomplished and competent physicist alive today. I don't have time for this. Paul. Please, Dr. Newton. Last week's report indicated that you, the project leader, seem to be, in the words of the report, becoming mentally unstable. I came to see for myself. We cannot give funding to people who aren't responsibly handling their projects. I'm the only one who is responsibly handling this project. Because I'm the only one who can see what needs to be done. We know the project is important to you. But something has to change. I need you to get a hold of yourself. Unless you start getting sleep, maybe see a psychiatrist. We're going to have to remove you from the project and put Dr. Mikulski in charge. It's not about being in charge. It's about fixing the breach. Tell me again, Mr. Newton. Dr. Newton. Yes, of course, Dr. Newton. Explain to me again why you think the world has changed or is changing. Because I can see it. I can see that the world has changed. Anything can and will happen if I don't close that breach. And how do you intend to do that? Well, I, I must restore the particle stream to the exact condition it was in before the accident with the collider. That's what I'm working on. If I don't close the breach, I can't imagine all the possible consequences. That tear in our universe is changing the world as we know it, with even more disastrous and irreversible alterations to come. Such as what? What if people keep disappearing? People like my wife. Or you, Harold. Or even you, Director Lee. The breach isn't too picky about who or what it eliminates. Well, there's a few things I wouldn't mind seeing eliminated. Like this absolute nonsense of yours. You have to take this seriously. The breach is not only removing things, it's adding them too. Like the second moon. Who knows what else might appear. Tomorrow there could be a meteor hurtling towards the Earth. Next week, a new ice age. Dr. Newton, this project has obviously placed you under extreme stress. And you're manifesting that anxiety through delusions and deranged visions. Paul, please, just... Let them get you the help you need. For the love of all the science you claim to understand, why can't you believe that things might be different than they first appear to you? All the great minds in history earn their place by having the intelligence, the humility, to believe that just maybe they didn't know everything, that maybe they needed to keep an open mind. There are limits to such an open mind, Paul. Like... When the, the mind defies common sense and affects the project's morale and funding. Stop talking about the funding. What on earth is that? What? Oh, that must be Zorro. Dr. Newton, this is most unprofessional. Having your cat in the collider facility is not something we would normally allow. 
We weren't trying to be accommodating of your needs, but you've taken this too far. There you go again, talking about what's normal. I'm starting to think you never understood the meaning of the word. Dr. Newton, why is your cat here? He's been staying in the lab with me so I can feed and take care of him while I work. I think I've seen enough. Did you hear that? What? My cat, Soro. What about him? He just barked. Yes, so what? He just barked. I understand that your cat just barked, Dr. Newton. What is your point? Are you joking? Charles, certainly you just heard my cat bark. Yes, I did, Paul. What of it? You can't be serious. Of course I'm serious. Why is this upsetting you so much? Harold, you see what's wrong here, don't you? I'm sorry, Paul. I don't understand. You can't see what's wrong with my cat? None of you can tell what's different? Did cats used to have only three legs or something? No, Harold. Cats don't bark. Cats never barked. They meowed. You just heard him in my office. You pet him and he meowed the way other cats do. The way all cats do. Oh, heaven help us. Cats meow. This nonsense has gone far enough. Agreed. Dr. Newton, this is your final warning. If you have no intention of straightening yourself out, you will be removed from the project. And if you keep trying to convince everyone here of your mad notions, we will be forced to revoke your clearances to this laboratory. It's right in front of your eyes. Right under your noses, and you still can't see it. You can't look past your established beliefs and consider the possibility that there could be alternatives? That there might be different truths? Excuse me, could you two give me a minute alone with him, please? Yeah. If you think it'll help. Please, talk some sense into him, Harold. I'll try. Paul, Harold, you were there with me. You were there when the accident happened. Not as close, but maybe close enough that you might Paul, notice... Paul, listen. We've been friends since college. Whatever is happening, I'm behind you. I'm not going to abandon you. Thank you, Harold. Do you remember the old question about the tree falling in the woods? If no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Paul, just relax. No, no, you have to listen to me. Who determines the reality of the tree falling? Who determines whether Schrodinger's cat is alive or dead or... Whether it barks, who determines how many moons we have? As scientists, we hang our hats on an objective reality. We can test whether a tree falls, or a cat lives or dies or barks. Of course, and don't take this the wrong way, Paul, we each perceive reality in our own mind. But Harold, I'm as positive about this as I've ever been about anything. Believe me. As sure as I'm standing in front of you right now, there were once little red-breasted birds called robins. They were the harbingers of spring. Everybody knew about robins. And cats didn't bark. And surely you remember that up until two weeks ago, I had a wife. Paul, you never had yes. a wife. Yes, I did. You knew her, Harold. Even back in our college days. Her name is Diana, and she loves animals, and she's funny and warm and witty. And she keeps a book of poetry in her purse. Where did she go? Paul, you need to calm down. You've been under I'm such I'm telling strain. you, Harold, our world is changing. And it gets worse every day. And the only possible solution is to recreate the conditions in the collider and close the breach. We must close the breach. Paul. It's our only chance, Harold. We must close the breach before you and I don't exist. Oh, before Paul. the collider itself doesn't exist. We must bring back my wife. 
Bring back Diana! Paul, you never had Bring a Bring back the Robins! Bring back the One Moon! And stop cats from barking! Stop cats from barking! Stop cats from barking! Stop cats from bark! Dr. Mikulski, what are you doing in the boardroom? I... I don't know, sir. No, no matter. I was going to call you in here anyway. This is Ms. Cindy Dyson from NSF. She's here to discuss our funding for the project. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, nice to meet you, Ms. Dyson. I'm Dr. Harold Mikulski. Nice to meet you, Doctor. What on earth is that? It's a little cat. Hey there, kitty. How'd you get in here? It looks like he's pawing on the ground. Like he's looking for something or lost something. Yes, as, as if something's missing. Come to think of it, I feel like there's something I'm missing. Well, I don't care what it's doing here, Dr. Mikulski. Please remove that cat from these facilities. Little fella does seem familiar, though. Now what's it doing? It's, it's going toward the window. Oh, how cute. He's howling at the moons. And look how bright they are tonight. Yes. It's not every evening that all three moons are this dazzling. That was The Barking Cat, written by Joe Potts, adapted for audio by John Watechko, directed by Gretelyn Darkey and John Watechko. The cast, in order of appearance, was Joe Rice as Paul Newton, Ryan Kuby as Harold Mikulski, Mark Bowles as Charles Lee, and Nancy McKinnon as Cindy Dyson. Produced by Thomas Marincheck. Foley and sound design by Gretelyn Darkey, Jacob Gorsuch, Thomas Marincheck, and John Motechko. Additional sound effects provided by Justin, Lewis is in Heaven, and The Shaggy Freak. The additional sound effects are copyrighted under a Creative Commons Attribution License not endorsed by the owners. Additional audio assistance by Peter Wateczko Jr. Music by Gretelyn Darkey. Zero Hour is a production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.